Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast, live from the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. I'm here with John McCormick. We just finished watching Bill Clinton's speech. Uh, how do you think uh, Bubba did? You know, I'm not so sure. I think what he was trying to do was to humanize her. Uh, it was very heavy on biography. I think that the theme uh, for the first 30 minutes or so is that behind every uh, good man is a good woman, or perhaps more accurately, behind every successful man is a successful woman. Uh, you know, a lot about how, you know, when he had this great idea in Arkansas, uh, you know, that was really her idea, and that these poor families who uh, never thought they'd be able to educate their children, well, that was because of Hillary. And so I think he did connect on sort of a gut level to, you know, people, to average middle American folks um, at time to time, but it was a little too heavy on biography. I don't think it really um, was as effective as it could have been. I do think that Bill Clinton could have been the most effective anti-Trump attack of the week, and they obviously just chose to go in a different direction. They chose to go in the direction of humanizing, of biography, and I thought that, you know, last time in 2012, after his speech at the 2012 convention, Barack Obama called him, you know, the secretary of explaining stuff, because he did such a great job, uh, maybe inaccurately, of attacking the Democrat, attacking Republicans, attacking Paul Ryan, talking about how dastardly uh, Paul Ryan's Medicare plan was, how it was going to hurt people on Medicaid, and, you know, he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't go after Trump tonight. That was obviously a, a strategic decision. I'm not sure whether it was a good one or not. What's interesting to me is, despite all the biography, I felt no connection to Hillary. I kept going, yeah, Bill seems like a nice guy. Yeah, Bill must have been fun to hang out with in college. I don't think he was able, you mentioned how he was trying to kind of transfer his accomplishments over to her. I think he was trying to transfer the emotional connection people have with him over to her. I don't think he succeeded in doing that. He lit, he basically made her sound like a, the most active member of the homeowners association or the you know, student council president who went on to continue to be the, you know, the highest performing realtor in their office. There was, I didn't feel like, let me tell you about my wife, this woman, Hillary. That's that certainly has some merit to it. And if we want to go in that direction, you could maybe psychoanalyze Bill as someone who is petty and proud and uh, wants to talk about himself. And maybe even deep down isn't so thrilled about the idea that another Clinton could be president and be a better Clinton president than him. Do you agree that it was, it's, was somehow personal and sterile at the same time, you know what I mean? I think that's right. You know, I think that it, it is hard, obviously, given given their problems, given Bill's problems uh, maritally, uh, to kind of talk about how warm and loving of a, of a marriage that they had. Um, I, I think it would have been a really human moment to have, uh, to, to maybe made some sort of subtle nod to that, that we too have had our struggles, we too have had our sins, and we're here all the stronger. I think that really could have actually penetrated, but he, he chose not to do that. Now, the people who are streaming past us who just heard the speech. They're going to be voting Democrat, obviously. And overwhelmingly, I think it's going to be based on policy and ideology, not personal connection with Hillary. One of the big policies today that came up again and again was the issue of, quote, women's health and reproductive rights. So my question to you is, what role is the issue of abortion going to play this year, do you think? You know, they want they want to try and do a rerun of the 2012 war on women. Uh, but you, you don't get the sense that they're really as enthused about it. I think they realize that that's not going to do do it. Uh, today I was at an interesting uh, event with the Harvard Institute of Politics talking to their pollster over there who said, you know, uh, white young women 
have a terrible favorable view of Hillary Clinton. Their fa- her favorability rating among young women, white women in particular, is terrible. You know, this, this Julia caricature, the idea of the young, single white woman who's going to have everything provided to her by governments and have her abortion paid for by the government, that uh, that's supposed to somehow be this person that they connect with. Hillary hasn't done it, and so it can't be because they doubt that she's sufficiently committed to a right to abortion, because everyone knows that. It has to be something deeper, that she's inauthentic, that they don't trust her on economics. Uh, they don't think she's really got many good ideas. We talk about the issue, the issue itself, though. I mean, look how extreme the Clinton-Cain ticket has become as this campaign has evolved. Well, yeah, I mean, Cain used to try and sell himself as a Catholic who was, you know, moderately pro-choice. He was opposed to late-term abortion. He wanted to ban taxpayer-funded abortion. He wanted parental consent notifications. He has now reversed himself on all three of those measures. Uh, most recently, in the last three weeks, he's flip-flopped on taxpayer-funded abortion. Three weeks ago, uh, Jenna Liffitz, the Weekly Standard, asked Tim Kaine if he supported the Hyde Amendment, which bans long-standing measure banning taxpayer-funding abortion. He said he had traditionally supported it. We find out in, uh, today that he had privately agreed with Hillary Clinton that he would no longer take the position to support her goal of unlimited taxpayer funding of electoral abortion. Yeah, that's a pretty big uh, push for him. It also is counter to the trend in America where a uh, majority of people who identify themselves as pro-choice say that they support limits on abortion after the first trimester. So they really are appealing to the extremist, NARAL, Cecile Richards band here. Is that a smart political move in this climate? Is, is that is that who they're counting on on election day? Is that's going to be base versus base, and they've got to super amp up their women activist base? I think that's at least, at least on one half of the equation of trying to play that. I mean, I think this is another example of where you get one night and two different themes. You know, early on in the night, it's the Black Lives Matter uh, protesters uh, and mothers who have had their sons or daughters uh, killed uh, by police. Uh, You also had Cecile Richards talking about abortion on demand, taxpayer-funded abortion. Uh, These are very unpopular things, like you said. You know, I mean, even among people who say that they're pro-choice, they don't don't support late-term abortion. They should be illegal. They don't support taxpayer-funded abortion. So, you know, I think they're hoping to narrow-cast that message to their base, hoping that gets it out, gets them out. I don't think that's so smart. I think they'd be smarter letting Tim Kaine seem more moderate. I mean, Joe Biden, when he became Barack Obama's running mate, did not flip-flop on taxpayer funded abortion. Joe Biden, again, as a pro-choicer, was, took that somewhat slightly moderate position. Uh, and the idea that you have to now go that far left, it kind of shows that there's no room for anyone of dissenting views in their party. So one last question for you here as we wrap up the second day. The only shining moment I've seen was Michelle Obama's magnificent speech. It wasn't good. It wasn't great. It was magnificent. Any other highlights? Or has this kind of been kind of odd, like they've been wrong-footed from the beginning, firing Debbie Wasserman Schultz? <laughs> We have a podcast with Michael Barone going through all the crises, if you haven't heard today yet, at theweeklystandard.com. Am I, is there some other highlight you've seen? I think that's probably right. You know, just in terms of pure delivery of the speeches, uh, Michelle Obama definitely had the best. Uh, but, you know, does it all matter? We saw that the Republican convention, it seemed to be a disaster upon disaster upon disaster. And Trump came out of that with a, what, a five-point bounce out of that? So, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the optics can be terrible, and you can end up ending up ahead politically. And you can end up with a great podcast, too. That's all we're here. John McCorvey, thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to check weeklystandard.com daily during the convention for additional podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.